five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. This is Talking Warhammer. I'm your host, Justin, and I'm here with my special guest, James O'Brien. James, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Justin. It's great to be on again. Uh, yeah, I mean, you weren't on too long ago, were you? Nope. nope. Uh, I <laughs> was on last year talking about, I think, Warhammer tournaments, funnily enough. Yes. Yeah, and guess what we're talking about today? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the season, though, and we've it got is. a lot of big ones coming up. We do indeed. Um, I, already this year we've had LVO, and then just this last weekend we had Adepticon, uh, and uh, then we've got all of the Warhammer, um, the Games Workshop US Opens um, coming up as well, and of course, um, near and dear to us, uh, the, the Nova Open. That's right. Uh, so many big tournaments to go to, so little time. Uh, you know, and that's not to mention all the little RTTs that happen, uh, so mm-hmm. you can tune up for the big ones. But uh, a lot of good Warhammer to be happening in 2022, and it's about time, right? It certainly is. Yeah, um, it was a it was a tough couple of years for everybody without without the the, the major events running uh, and the opportunity to see your friends from around the country and around the world, um, as as everybody felt. Um, yeah, so it's be it's great to have uh, events back in in full force. So before we get into the show, uh, you you know we're going to be talking about you as a tournament organiza- mm-hmm. organizer a little bit, but uh, you are also a player. What do you got on your hobby bench right now? Uh, I have a couple of things, um, and it's more it's not so much for my own armies, but things that I've been inspired by just recently. So I uh, at Adepticon this weekend from the GW store there, I picked up the uh, the Gaunt's Ghosts. Um, oh yeah, forty k cool. box because yep. I've I've been reading those books. Um, and so I was inspired to pick those guys up. And also, I just this evening picked up a um, Mind Stealer Sphinx, which yes, is a, uh, a Warcry monster, but was the single most submitted model into the Golden Demon Awards just hosted this last weekend at Adepticon. I'm not which, surprised. It is a gorgeous model. It's an absolutely fantastic model. And I was so inspired by the golden demon entries uh for this model in particular that i was like right i'm gonna pick one up i'm gonna paint it it's gonna be bad i'm gonna get another one i'm gonna paint it it's gonna be slightly <laughs> better and so on and so on and so on and so on um so yeah, i picked up my first mind stealer pharynx tonight um from uh, game castle um in college park maryland very cool um it is an absolute beast in Warcry. Is it? It's uh, good, is it? Yeah, some some of those uh, Warcry specific models are okay, you know, mm-hmm. like um, they'll they'll do some stuff, but that one is uh, it it can um, wreak some havoc. And they changed some of the rules in Warcry about being able to take allies and monsters and things okay. like that. So some of the underpowered Warcry specific factions, like the mm. Untamed Beasts or the Iron Golems, really benefit from that okay. that model in particular. Yeah. 
you know so um make some such, make some such a beautiful model like yeah. um the uh for those of you who, who've got got had the opportunity to look at it, if you look at the golden demon awards the uh the i think it was the runner-up in age of sigmar large model was a pink painted minusdealer spheranx um mm-hmm. by a french artist called uh, alexis lulier and it was my single favorite model in golden demon this year i saw the picture and it was gorgeous the picture it does it does it no justice at all That's the closer you the closer you get to that model the more you see that this artist is able to paint fur textures onto flat models wow and more importantly a number of artists do that but he kept it in scale so his fur marks were so fine that they looked model scale appropriate as fur it was absolutely incredible that did not come through in the picture um and, it does not and you also can't you know. see the eyes which were the second most striking feature of the uh, of, of the model which he named he named inez after his own pet cat at home in france <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. awesome well we're going to talk a little bit more about the golden demon because i know that you were um involved in that um i was so, yeah. yeah um but that's a, like my last last weekend and most of last week I, I was at adepticon um supporting games workshop i do um I, I do work on a part-time basis for games workshop to specifically to support events um and what my first event of the year for games workshop was uh was adepticon so i went there really more as general help than uh in my normal sort of age of sigma tournament organizer capacity um so my main job for most of the week was to to do all the admin for uh, for Golden Demon. So I was I was taking people's entries in, I was getting them in the cabinet, I was getting them from the cabinet to the judging table. Then I was ensuring that the right people were collecting the models at the end after the judging. Um, so it was quite nerve wracking to handle eight hundred Golden Demon entries <laughs> multiple times <laughs> over the course of say, a weekend. Did you have like 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 white gloves and you know uh, some, yeah like, bodyguards I, 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 like exactly you know. I, I had I had gloves on. We did have twenty four hour security on the Golden Demon booth. Um, so yeah, all of those things. Um, Games Workshop took good care of those models. Yeah, uh, you know it's funny because you would think like oh they're just painted models, but man, there's a lot of effort that goes into those things. There's, um, there's an incredible amount of effort. Um, the one of the, one of the artists, um, and I'll, I'll get his name right. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll come back to it, but, um, he entered most categories, um, and he entered most of his, um, uh, most of his, most of his, his entries on day one. And he said, here's about 1000 hours of my work. Wow. And then he came back on day two with a single um, diorama. So probably the biggest single category of entries is is, is the diorama. Right, right. Um, so he came back with his, his diorama um, and he said, and here's the other thousand hours of my entry. Oh, um, my gosh. So that one alone was, was, was the same as... Um, and it was the third place diorama. So if you go to the Games Workshop uh, Warhammer Community website and look mm-hmm. through your Golden Dean results, the bronze di- uh, di- bronze winning diorama by Mamicon, um, that was the one where he said, this is a thousand hours of my work. Um, and I was like, okay, I best not drop this then as I placed as I placed the very tall model <laughs> right. in, in the very short cabinet uh, that, that it just about scraped through underneath uh, between the shelves. Um, yeah, so it was uh, it was it was it was intense, but it was in equal parts in 
intimidating to how far we as journeyman painters have got to go to reach that level but also incredibly inspiring so like i've thought about i'm thinking about models in a different way already yeah in terms of what i could produce with my own modest level of painting skill and i'm i'm going to enter next year i'm going to enter next year like i'm not going to win anything but i'm yeah, sufficiently but... inspired by that that i'm going to enter i'm going to i'm going to enter capital palette at nova now as well i did a few years ago i won a, a, a little pin for that a uh a little medal for for a bronze level entry um and so i'm going to be back into these painting competitions having been inspired by the incredible incredible talent that was on display in, uh, in the golden demon awards uh tell you what i will enter with you cool awesome let's that'll be great let's do let's it let's do it i will yep. paint up my ogroid myrmidon that was the other product. model i was after no way yep. Yep. <laughs> i will i've got it that's right an incredible model too oh i love it so I have it right here in front of me. It's all gray, mm -hmm. ready to be painted, staring at me. So I'll come up with a thing and I'll put it in the cap in the um, in the in capital, capital palette. palette. Well, yep, yep. Fantastic. It, it wasn't used to the crystal brushes. Where's the crystal brush at? Crystal brush was the old Adepticon paint event. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. So so games Golden Demon is now the Adepticon and obviously Games Workshop painting competition. Because there was the Golden Demon in England for like a long Correct. time, right? And yeah. I, I'd assume, I don't know the details, apologies, uh, I don't know the details. I'd assume there is still a Golden Demon at, um, in the UK. Normally they have it in their like Warhammer Weekender or Horus Heresy Weekender or Games Day UK. Uh, the yeah. big events that Games Workshop run in the UK, they roll in um, Golden Demon to that. And the, the great part about the Adepticon Golden Demon was it because it was at a sort of five day long convention there was three days for artists to submit models and then the judges oh, had a cool. full 24 hours to to judge the uh the pieces before the award ceremony on the sunday who uh so who were the judges they were in-house um games workshop studio folks oh, okay okay cool so uh the head judges is um is a long time games workshop uh heavy metal painter and studio artist um called Aiden. Aiden's now moved to the community team and does a lot of the Warhammer TV stuff. Oh, um, okay. So he, he ran it and then there was a couple of folks over from the UK as well who helped judging. Uh, some of the, the more senior Games Workshop people. And they took a solid six hours from the awards, from the entries closing. They sat down and they went through all 13 categories over the course of six hours to select their their winning entries in each category and then the following morning they came back and did it again for their final wow. few just to make sure that they were making the right calls for each and every category it was um it's fantastic it like it's it's really good there's there's no there's not an explicit set of criteria um yeah. by which they're they're judging it's but it is very clearly a painting competition versus a modeling or converting right or doing a, something cool and crazy so when you look at the the award-winning entries so the overall slayer sword winner was a first-time entrant it was a skink painted by a young artist called gavin gaza um and the reason it won it was it's it's a skink it's a regular little skink it's right, right. Like, it's it's 15 millimeters high it's a tiny little model but because it was so perfectly immaculately painted every detail was absolutely correct on it 
that was it this is a painting competition so it was the the best painted miniature so that was the yeah. that was the slayer sword winner you know um like you wouldn't have as a, uh, if you'd had a casual walk around the cabinets i doubt very much that you would have picked that out immediately as the slayer sword winner yeah but the artistry and the pure painting ability that was displayed on that model meant that that, that was the that was the winner that was the best in show my favorite part of that little model you know looking at the picture and i'm again i'm sure the picture doesn't do it justice but um is the little glint of light off of the, off tip, the, of the tip of the blade yeah and you're like at first i'm like oh wow that's shiny wait that's not shiny that's not no. right like paint isn't shiny like that and um i mean just like that right there is so well executed yep you know you you don't think and, and you know it's well executed when you look at it and you don't think twice about it you're like oh wow that's just that thing right yeah. and you kind of move on and you go back and you're like wait a minute knowing like what it took to get that like that's really impressive really really yeah. impressive and and like i i really did find a, a a sort of a passion for the the golden demon awards this weekend like some of the things that and it was great to meet all the artists um because although i had no influence over the judging whatsoever they were they're obviously quite keen to they could see that i was supporting it they were quite keen to sort of get my impression spend some time with me i i felt really privileged to be a part of it um yeah and i didn't drop any of the models so that was good <laughs> step one step right? one yep um and yeah it was it was fantastic like it was such a good experience the um uh, one last anecdote from uh, from golden demon yeah um the winning middle earth strategy battle miniature is a is one of the uh, you know where aragorn goes through the cracks and he commands them to come and help him um in yeah. in the the return, return of, the king. of the king yep um it's one of the uh, it's one of the the, the leaders of, of that sort of skeletal ghost army and the gentleman uh, james cordwell is the artist placed it down on the desk in front of me and another gw colleague chantel um and it was facing towards him and as I turned, as I spun it round, and please look at this picture on the on the on I'm the looking at it there. right now. Yeah. As I spun it round to see that model, my jaw dropped, and Chantal next to me, her jaw dropped, and James said that was the expect the the the, uh, the reaction I was hoping for <laughs> as, 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 as we turned it round. You know, it was yeah. amazing. It was that was such. I was like, whoa, this is incredible. You know, um, the ghosty effects that he did are absolutely stunning on that yeah you know and it's not um it's not like true osl that he did with it like no. like it's fading into the cloth you know like mm -hmm. it, it looks r really amazing um and that like the the metal pieces right like the crown and the the bracers yep. and like they're kind of desaturated because of the ghostly uh, light yep. that they have it looks really good and i love 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 underneath like the skulls and the sword the skulls right? and the sword yeah oh, oh, so good. still looks so good yeah that's um, fantastic it was, yeah it was that that was great that was that was a really cool moment um and I, I would i would recommend people go and see it see this stuff in person because there's so much that the um that the pictures don't pick out like there's so many of them that that are just superb and, and a single picture doesn't do justice to it like will Hahn's silver for warhammer 40k vehicle the uh the, the sister of battle in the in the little walker suit unbelievable the face on that model oh yeah yeah is, i saw that it's 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 amazing and i, I know will i 
hands up i do know will uh he painted that in two and a half weeks specifically for this competition it's stunning it's incredible the diorama the winning diorama from oh, yeah. um, andy wardle andy wardle there is no good angle to take a photo of that diorama but if you <laughs> spin that round 90 degrees either way those branches make a forced perspective that yeah. sort of zoom you in it's like you're watching a horror movie and that the, the these branches are sort of tunneling your view in yep. to the things that are happening and, and you can't see it in that picture but the little the little vampire bat dude that's that's killed the damsel in distress there there's a hole punched through her chest where he's pulled her heart out and oh the, the trail the, the, tra the trail of blood leads down around from her into the river that's running down the middle that the that the witch hunters are standing in oh, and you wow. can just about see on the picture you can see the glow from his torch on the snow yeah um it's amazing it was incredible oh i see that i didn't pick that up before yeah it's a um, little oh wow it's it's such a superb piece of like dynamic art it's incredible um yeah it was um it was it was a real privilege to be part of golden demon uh, and kind of very cool that, you know, like, uh, not a happy ending here <laughs> in that diorama. No, no, there is not a happy ending in that diorama. I mean, I like I believe in uh, in uh, the the Van Gents, the two witch hunters there in this yeah. in this diorama. They're pretty badass. Um, yeah. Like in 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 AOS, like for name characters, they get a bit of table time, particularly uh, Doralia, the, the daughter. Uh -huh. She's 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 pretty good in aos so I, I i would back her to take them with that with that crossbow she'd, yeah, unfortunately she'd... they didn't get to the damsel in time though, they huh? did not get to the damsel in, <laughs> in time they did not spoiler alert for anybody yeah. who's gonna look this up the yeah. she didn't make it <laughs> she didn't make it so so you spent i mean pretty much all your time there with the golden demon stuff like did you have time to kind of walk around and check I out did, the other events yeah i did um i did a couple of days on um on games workshops uh on our, on our quick reaction force so our 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 staff that could go and support any of the gw uh activities at um at adepticon so i spent time at the store we had a great um a great store there tons of forge world stock um constant lines of, of customers coming through to yeah. pick up their forge world bits and their event exclusive bits um so that was cool um learning a bit more about the retail side uh, i spent time supporting a couple of the there was a couple of tiny tournaments that gw ran on behalf of adepticon so kill team and oh nice uh, and underworld uh, gw provided staff to, to run those events um then we had kill team live which is our laser tag experience um, yeah which was cool so i uh, i learned to um to support and, and run that um and then we had uh, uh we just had sort of social events for different groups for playtesters for influencers for tos um so I, I i supported those in the evenings as well so i got to sort of bounce around everything that games workshop was doing uh, at adepticon um over the course of four or five days so it was it was a great experience and it was good to be able to support that uh legendary convention you know i've been as a player a couple of times right um so it was nice to go uh, see a bit more of uh, of how the sausage is made with adepticon I was gonna say you got like the backstage view of like pretty much the whole I thing. I did, yeah. Um, so from setting stuff up in the vendor hall on the Wednesday through running the preview on the Wednesday night, um, and there was a great preview. Like tons of interesting stuff was announced uh, on Wednesday night at Adepticon. Um, 
from new necromunda through the relaunch of the Horus heresy game the next edition of that right. through... that cinematic was pretty amazing oh it was wasn't it yeah through yeah. chaos knights hitting 40k new knights and new chaos knights books um through the new season of war for aos there was a load of of, of cool stuff for the that uh, was previewed um and announced at a, at a at adepticon as well so it was yeah it was really good yeah so um speaking of some of those announcements mm -hmm. uh i've got kind of a theory and maybe you can back me up on this and and i talked a little bit about it with lee uh, reese in our last episode um so the stronghold of thandia right the thandia yep. stronghold um it was announced there and i feel like that should have come out like six months ago you know um, with, with i don't know like um i feel like because for example we have the arena of shades box mm -hmm. set coming out right which is night hunt and daughters of Cain, okay. which, yep. which means we have our books coming out probably hopefully not too much further um after they they get the box set gets released because yep. it's you know the night hunt dok books mm -hmm. um my thought this is again my theory this is my tinfoil hat is on right there's no monsters in both the night hunt and pretty much dok armies less so, yeah, minus Marathi, right? Um, but Night Hunt has no monsters except for the Morngull. So yep. I was thinking that that's a perfect opportunity to switch seasons and move into a different realm. Maybe one that's got a little bit more magic or something like that. It's right? not quite. It's not quite switching realms because Thondir is a region within. Right. Gur. So it's 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 switching seasons. There you go. Within yeah. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, so, so, think... so so do you think they'll stay in Gur and not um, switch I mean, seasons yeah, with so, the realm? So so Gur is um, sorry, Thondia. Yeah. Is is a plains in the middle of Gur. Yeah, um, yeah. One of like the subcontinents or something exactly, like that, right? Yeah. Um, so that will give, and this box set gives the opportunity for non-monster having armies to have this kind of like summoned monster yeah and it's paired with a hero who's uh who's who's summoning it um there was quite a quite a long story on bell of lost souls about it today about oh, okay. how that mechanic is going to work yeah yeah we're seeing it it kind of eats uh endless spells it looks like it does eat endless spells yeah um yeah so another and it it powers up through eating endless spells i think there must okay. be other ways of doing it i'm not entirely sure like i don't yeah, yeah i've yeah. deliberately stayed away from the playtesting side of things um <laughs> because like i want to play myself um, right and i want to keep running events for gw so i i don't necessarily want to commit that extra time that that to do that properly requires a lot of time um you know, you have to really commit to it. And I, I don't know that I've got that much more bandwidth between trying to progress my own playing career and also then running events for <laughs> right, Nova right. Games Workshop, <laughs> my own company, you know? Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, war, <laughs> a lot a of lot Warhammer of in my life already. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, playtesting would be, would be one stage uh, too far. Sorry yeah. to Chuck. If Chuck Moore listens, I'm sorry, Chuck. I can't do it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, I I definitely hear you on that. So I, I'm excited to see what this, you know, Thandia Stronghold does. Like yep. what, you know, what what it comes out with. And 
I'm excited for the upcoming year uh, and you know whether or not we switch seasons or like what that means um, because I think that uh, like you know I was thinking Night Hunt is not optimized for this season right now. Of so, course, I forgot you know. you're a, you're primarily a Night Hunt player, aren't you? Yeah, I mean I've been running orcs lately, yeah. um, but uh, you know I got I got an orc set when that the last mm -hmm. um, book came out, so that was like. 2019 yeah it was 2019 because mm. i was going into 2020 with it um and uh but yeah i, I mean night hunt was my first love so yeah you know um yeah i was just I like think, how can well, i, I think i think night hunt are gonna be good like i really do i like the look of those new crossbow dudes i um, do too brings yeah. another dimension to night hunt um even though haven't they said they hit on a four but that's yeah. not the end of the, that's not the end of the world with in in aos 3.0 because you can always all out attack you know um, oh yeah definitely so you can and bring I think they got some Ren too, so we'll yeah. see. We'll see how they end up. Um, you know, the, th the fact is, is that Night Hunt had zero shooting before. Yes. Um, so you know that's a good yeah. thing mm -hmm. to add something, right? Some some sort of threat. So yeah, we'll see what the book does. I I you know Night Hunt needs a little bit of mortal mortal wound support. Um, mm -hmm. and um, I you know hopefully they can get some there. I you know obviously the hex rays have you know when you hit on sixes like they'll they'll do some mortal wounds but yep. they only have a couple of attacks so even if you got 10 hex rays going on like that's mm. 20 attacks right like it, you're fishing for sixes you're only getting like two to three maybe mm -hmm. you know so anyway. yeah but it's all good we'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what the new <laughs> book brings i mean like nighthorn yes you have to play them with nagash right now i think yeah uh uh nate trentinelli's LVO yes. list um, has demonstrated to people that you can, you right. can make Nighthorn competitive. You can do well with Nighthorn. Um, you also kind of have to be Nate Trentinelli too to pull it off. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, he's just—I mean—he's a fantastic general out there, right? Oh, and yeah. he absolutely he's knows what player. he's doing. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, for him to put that list together and play it, it's kind of like Bill Souza. I put them in the same category, right? Where they can pick up pretty much any army and yeah. be like. Yeah, I'll go like four and one, no big deal. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the um, I we are very lucky in the DC area that there is so much, so much good competitive practice. We had a mm -hmm. we had a, a training a training day up at um Hazar Hobbies a few weeks ago, and uh, Hazar Hobbies plug for that store, amazing store. Um, yeah, absolutely. Great location has a bar, so it makes your training days go a, a lot more easily. <laughs> um, so and a lot of great was, table space. Yeah, they've got. I, I mean, I run thirty-two player tournaments there for them every quarter because yeah. they've got. And then I have. I, I still have a little bit of space to do judges stuff, so yeah. they can do. They could do thirty-six, thirty-eight uh, in in Hazar. Um, and then on top of that, they're still running a magic and D and D room alongside it. They've got oh, some right. good space. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I was lucky in like a training day. Like you play like Nate Trentinelli, Mike Vaginos. You play like really high quality like gt winning players just like as a regular game on a right saturday afternoon or a wednesday night you know right um yeah so and like oh a... yeah i'll be there no problem and you're like okay it's like i'm in the final tables at, at yeah, exactly. here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> round five at summer slaughter again yeah um yeah so it's uh it's we're very lucky to have uh have so many really active and successful players uh playing locally here um, but every i'm like every major sort of group within the within the within the country within the meta has those those players who are doing very well and it's just a tribute and a testament to the growth of the game really, yeah you for know? sure like 
some of the Texas players are really stepping up. Not just Gavin, but like he's obviously doing amazingly well at every tournament that he goes to. Um, but like a bunch of Gavin's um, colleagues in Harambe's Heroes and the other the other Texas teams there are doing superbly well. Yeah. Um, and then you've always had a strong West Coast. Uh, both yep. the Northwest, Jeremy Vessier and Alex Gonzalez and those guys, and then down in 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 San Diego, the guys who are running, actually coming across to run LVO from the West Coast, um, uh, Gareth Thomas and and and, and those guys uh, with their SoCal Masters. Like everywhere around the country, there are really strong communities springing up. So it's it's superb to see the growth of the game. It really is. Well, and it uh, to build a little bit on what uh, I talked about with Reese in our last podcast, mm -hmm. uh, a big part of that growth, uh, as we mentioned, was the fact that big events started to get standardized a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Uh, it wasn't just like, uh, okay, well, come here. Here's the here's the tournament packet that looks wildly different than anything you've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, Reese, Reese brought up like some packets would be like, in turn three, you get double movement. And in turn four, you only get half movement. You know, and you're like, okay, like, why did we do this, you know, for this yeah. tournament? And so, uh, you know, with the, with the ITC, with, um, you know, some of these other opens that are happening, there seems to have been uh, a higher quality of play that has come out because yep. of the quality of tournaments that are being run and you know it's almost like success begets success and you know you're getting people who have been playing a long time that are really good but then you've got some up-and-comers that are also mm -hmm. really good that have been you know tested in the forge of you know these good events so um it's it, it's really nice to see yeah it's um it's definitely helping um, build big events mm -hmm. um, because when you've got a standardization of scoring, pairing, placing, players are going to have the confidence that they understand what the game is going to look like and therefore they can play to their optimal skill level and therefore they're prepared to travel to have that experience. Um, and that's not to say that quirky interesting rules don't have a place right and a place in big events like i'll give you an example i'm going down to um to slambo in san antonio yep. in may um i think may is correct yes it is definitely in may um and they have they have um they have a special rule for each mission um, yeah it's can be quite impactful um on the game but they've published their packet well ahead of time Right. And have said, right, folks, practice to these. When If you're coming to Slambo, practice to these Slambo uh, special extras that we've added to each mission. I'm, yeah. And, I'm, and... I'm good with that. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. And I think I think something that's important is like as long as players know what they're get when they're you know what mm -hmm. what they get when they're going. Um, it's it's the worst when you've prepared for something and you don't see the tournament packet. And then you show up and you're like, wait, what are these rules? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I wasn't expecting this. So, you know, having the having the packets come out in advance, being, yeah. you know, submitting the list in advance. Like these mm -hmm. are like things that are sort of standard now. Pretty even much. like three or four years ago were not standard. Yeah, you know? agreed. There's um, there is a need for transparency in tournament design and execution. Yeah. Um, and tools like bcp and other similar systems have helped that enormously uh, because mm -hmm. 
like just just for instance even when i'm not playing tournaments um and people i know are i'm online on bcp at that weekend you know while i'm working doing jobs around the house watching football and i'm following on their game following along on their games on bcp i'm looking at lists and so you get an increased degree of transparency you can see who's playing whom how those pairings have been generated what lists people are running and it's it's taken a bit of weight off to's shoulders in that respect because totally it's not it's not the to and the to's crew that are going to catch a list mistake in round one and correct it it's it's everybody paying attention to the tournament whether it's streamed on twitch or whether it's recorded in bcp and ideally both um it's those it's those folks uh those experts of the game that aren't necessarily at the tournament thing and pick up on those 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 issues straight away and 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 help the tos ensure that like it's all above board within the rules um so it's it's fantastic that we've got that as, as a resource now and i like if you're on your laptop at the weekend, just like follow along on the on the, on the BCP desktop app yeah. uh, and look at the lists, look at the pairings, um, and it, it it's it's really added another dimension to tournaments um, where you can go through and you can actually you can actually audit. Uh, and I find myself messaging tos and going, oh, thirty-seven points on that mission. You you, you may just want to. <laughs> have a quick check of the score sheet there or, or right. that type of stuff because you can audit the game um and and those those tools that present pre- that present opportunities for transparency and and remove placings pairings overall standings being a black box that just pops out a number at the end um help increase that transparency and increase that trust in in the game yeah yeah yeah, definitely. And I mean, you are obviously a veteran, you know, tournament organizer. Um, I had several friends who went to Adepticon last weekend, um, you know, several of which played in the Age of Sigmar tournament. Mm-hmm. And they had they had a little bit of a snafu at the end of the tournament where they had awarded a best overall performance to um, to Emma. Yep. And uh, it turned out that she was not the and she wasn't the best per overall performance like they had miscalculated yep. something somewhere um and maybe possibly you know messed up the pairings in round four or five or something like that that affected you know standings and things like that and um so you know i mean look mistakes happen and and i yep. know that they probably feel awful about it and i i never want to put anybody down for running a tournament because goodness gracious it's a lot of work right and a it lot is. of stuff to put it in so yep. um but from your experience like running and running a tournament i mean we touched on some of these already what are some of the best practices you would say is is key to running a like a good event uh, especially a big one like a lvo yeah. or a you know atlantic city open or nova open or something like that um there's a there's a, there's a few really important things um the first is uh is pushing out detailed information about your tournament uh beforehand say this is how we're scoring mm-hmm. this is these are the missions we're playing this is how we're scoring in mission this is how overall standings are being calculated be really transparent with that information there's a li- there there has been a little school of thought that you you you, you, you keep that information secret and you you surprise the players with it on the day of that doesn't 
to my mind. Um, it doesn't actually help uh, grow the game or, or right. maximize people's experience that they have at that tournament. Um, right. Because this isn't a game of chess. There are missions that favor different armies, different builds. There are missions that um, aren't necessarily suitable for big events at the moment because of the uh, various rules interactions. Um, right. So I've narrowed down the 12 in the GHB to eight that I that I will put forward for um, for GTs and for major events as, as potential missions because it takes away some of the quirkiness. It takes away some of the potential negative play experiences. So um, the marking territory mission where you can end the game when you control all the objectives, just never include those in a GT. Because <laughs> right. they... they, they, they not only do they risk the negative play experience of like, eh, eh, I win, you're out um, at the end of turn three. Right. They also, and we had those in an early GTO uh, Games Workshop Open last year. Um, they then mean that you don't necessarily play all five rounds. Um, right. And playing all five rounds is critical in Age of Sigmar 3.0 because you have to be able to demonstrate that you've scored your battle tactic for that round yep so if the game ends in round three hang on can you only score a maximum of three battle tactics or or is it five <laughs> right and so there's been there's been dramas with that over the last year like that's one example the other one uh savage games they actually played at adepticon um is a nightmare because giants exist um giants can kick the objective out of their deployment zone which means that the opponent can never score a given number of points for that mission because there's no longer an objective in their opponent's deployment zone. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, slightly it, it, favors those giants, those sons of behemoth. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely it does. Sons <laughs> of behemoth smash on that. Um, and and the 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 hero the the hero scoring mission, um, survival of the fittest. Um, I'm gonna go with it's called that or apex predators. It's one of the two. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Sons of Behemoth can choose to ignore the objective scoring mission uh, rules within that mission because of their mightier makes rightier rule. So again, it's not suitable for a competitive GT to have that mission. Um, right. So you trim down the missions um, and push that information out. Don't keep it secret and then drop in a curveball on the day of and say, yeah. hey, I've rolled a dice and this is the mission you're playing because that can create some very bad experiences for players because their army simply can't do it um, right right and or they get drawn against giants or they get drawn against um <laughs> against an, an, an army that's just going to be tailored for that particular mission and if yeah. if, if players get the missions published beforehand and they tailor their army for one mission great they win one mission what they can do about the other four you know yeah um, yep. so transparency and and in terms of uh pushing out information ahead of time and then playing to the information that you've published to the uh players is critical um just quick quick question on that how early should you send out your packets uh as soon as you are confident that that's what you're going to play with so nova is a perfect example we are prepping for nova on uh the at labor day weekend this year yep. um tickets for nova go on sale on saturday this week so as we look at it uh, saturday april 2nd um at 12 p.m everybody buy your nova tickets um <laughs> but i know because every year there is a change to the battle pack that we play in the summer with the ghb season of war whatever it's going to be this year 
So I'm not going to publish a pack with missions until I know what that looks like. Yeah, right. And ideally, until I've played it a few times and I understand mm -hmm. where the curveballs are. Um, so, like, Nova's at the end of August, start of September. You're probably not going to see a final packet for Nova AOS GT until the end of July. Okay, so now, like a like a month-ish? Yeah, and that's, that's really driven by timeline. The longer ahead of time you can do it. I do quite like... Uh, so Scott Reed, the LVOTO, is great for pushing out um, prep packets. So he'll say, yeah. hey, your missions might come from this selection. Right. So right. you can go away and practice those missions. Here's the scoring system I'm thinking of using, you know? Yeah. Give the players those handrails, those guides to how they might optimize their own performance in your uh, in your event. I think that's a, that's, that's a big part of it. And then have um, scoring systems and pairing systems. And I... I'm a fan of BCP. Uh, I've used it since the early days of BCP when it uh, we would sometimes get delays um, right. when we ran huge events. And like I ran 500 player 40K events back in the UK um, a number of years ago before they were they were even as, certainly as common as they are now. And, and there was there were some b delays with BCP of late. I've not seen that BCP works spectacularly well. BCP has transparency for everybody playing in the event and anybody who's interested in looking into it as well. BCP right. has that. So BCP shows you that your pairings have been generated correctly. It shows you that your your events, your your rounds have been scored correctly. What it doesn't do is some of the stuff that I associate with, and I call it the bad old days, um, with suboptimal like uh, and subjective entries so for example like this secretly scoring sportsmanship for your opponent right it's a pretty outdated concept um like you you can't you are almost penalized by if you are a gentleman uh, or a, a, a gentle person a good player and, and uh, someone who plays with max integrity in that instance because uh -huh. when you're scoring your opponent for sportsmanship secretly great that means that you feel confident enough to put what you actually think in there it also means that if you are um a little less honest with it you will score all your opponents down to hurt their own positions right um and if you then don't have a system where you can analyze where it's public information who played whom in which round that could be pretty easy to go through in that situation, if that was recorded in BCP and identify players who are consistently scoring their opponents down for sportsmanship mm -hmm. uh, and raise that flag, that question mark. Um, this secretly fill out a piece of paper and hand it into the judges. Nod, nod, wink, wink. It, come on. It, it, that's, <laughs> that, it doesn't have a place anymore in um, a, what is becoming a, a genuine, like a true e-sport. Um, so I, I have a problem with... with with this with any notion of secret scoring so yeah. a, a a thumbs up thumbs down is good or an assumption of good sportsmanship unless an issue is raised i think is a much more effective way of doing it because yeah. that same that same person who might say i'm going to give everyone three out of five isn't going to go to a judge to say i'm scoring him down for sportsmanship right because because then the question is going to be why are you doing that and didn't you do that in the in the previous round? And didn't you do that in round one? Like those things um, 
those things are important, um, particularly if they're going to influence overall placings. Uh, I'm a big fan of the way that ITC splits out hobby and gaming track. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also a fan of uh, differentiating between a best general and a best overall, with your best overall being a combination of sports and sports scored by exception handling um, rather than secret squirreling it yeah uh, and paint scores and gaming scores there's your best overall you know right um, right versus your best general which is just your best overall gaming score um so the transparent scoring pairings system that is visible to everybody and critically for to experience updates instantly that you don't have to try pivoting spreadsheets and matching <laughs> and all of those type right. of things that introduce human error as a possibility into the system um so anything that's going uh, anything that's going to introduce transparency into how how your how your matches um is scored paired and then standings um are presented now bcp for big events like you tell them what you want to go in there and they will create a custom entry for you um so like it, it, it's there's no longer any excuse for like doing all your things in a black box and then pushing out a here you go here's the results <laughs> or right, here's right. here here are the prizes we're rewarding with no background with no detailed information for people to be able to interrogate and go through and and, and make sure that uh that, that no mistakes have been made so i think that for the, the the bigger scale your events get the more important that is because the more interest you're going to gain the more people the more sets of eyes that you can have on it and the more support you can get to make decisions correctly yeah um and and i I think the um, the Adepticon TOs did a great job. Do a great job. Um, there was just there was just a miss with some decision making that created the opportunity for human error to to make a to present the wrong result. Right. So what you need to do is you need to engineer out the opportunity to make those human errors. Yep. And yep. that's what that's what was missed. Like. The guys, Thomas, Brendan, they did a fantastic job. They ran a great event. It was a really good event. But there were sort of back-end decisions that would have put them in a much more secure position and prevented those mistakes that ultimately led to the error being yeah. made. It's yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's you mentioned BCP. There are other systems out there. Yeah, of but course there are, yeah. I'm going to be I mean, that's the, one I'm, that's the one I'm, I'm most familiar with. It's, well, it's what I use as my reference yeah. point. And and I've seen some of the other ones, and some of them struggle, in my opinion. You know, like there's mm -hmm. good and bad in, in a lot of things. But uh, I do agree with your assessment that I feel like BCP gives that level of transparency that is even difficult in other online scoring systems. You yep. know, I mean, and the thing is, is a lot of those other online systems are just repurposed um, chess kind of match uh, Swiss yeah. pairing type stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know Garrett personally, obviously, um, and he's even been on the podcast before. And, you know, he he has designed BCP for wargaming, you know, and it's kind of evolved to include skirmish games and other types of things, you know, like they also run X-Wing and... You know, it's not just Warhammer is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and tons of card games like yeah. Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, and maybe not Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, certainly. Um, a lot of the a lot of the card games, they, they have BCP interfaces for. Yeah. And you can set it up however you want, and you can enter, you can have it pair and place in what, whatever, whatever, whatever mechanism you, 
you determine um, right so it's 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 just it's one of those another one of those things to take stuff off your plate as a to um because like i was i was a to in the days of manually pairing stuff on an excel spreadsheet printing them out and sticking them on the wall yep yep like i'm a, li <laughs> I'm a little worried when events are still doing that <laughs> yeah. you're like i know how it was back then I, yeah you know yeah um one thing i want to ask you about um is prize support so yep. I think that uh, Adepticon was a little bit controversial this year in the way that they did prize support, and it was their decision, yep. you know. Um, but they decided to do random drawings for it, and I know why, right? Like you don't want the top people just walking home with you know duffel bags full of prizes because they were amazing at everything they did, and the guy who was you know just showing up who would really like that Keeper Secrets model or something like that has zero yep. shot at getting that. So you know that that randomness. Um, helps helps it a little bit, um, but I was kind of surprised to see that the people who podiumed walked away with no prize support this year. Um, um, they walked, walked away with no, at, at least that was according to my yeah. sources who was on the podium. Um, uh, yes, <laughs> so that's that 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 is correct. Uh, they did walk away with really really good quality trophies. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and you know what? I'm 100% with Adepticon on this one. Mm, okay. Um, like, we all own enough boxes of unpainted grey minis. <laughs> Do you know what I don't own? I own various cabinets full of Warhammer trophies. But I don't own one of those Adepticon medals. Right, right. That, to me, is worth a dozen boxes of Keepers of Secrets. Right, right. And... But to the first time attendee at a tournament who goes two and three or one and four, but then draws out, gets a, gets, gets a prize, that's actually worth more as an experience to them. Um, and maybe they have or haven't been playing this game for as long as, as, as we have and therefore own all the models they're ever going to need. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm with, it's a bold decision, do you know? And, and Very bold decision. This is, this is a bold decision that I endorsed domus and brendan and john for making yeah okay that's an interesting perspective um one of my friends had suggested that um you keep it random right random prize drawings but the more you win the more tickets you get to enter into the pot so interesting your, your yeah, chances okay. of yeah, yeah. Uh, winning go up if you win you know yep. Um, but it's not a you do it's remember, not a done deal. You do remember the, the, the Nova alternative to this, don't you? So Nova awards prize support. Well, it does until this year. I'm now thinking about it very closely. Um, awards prize support to winners. Right. As right. well as, as, as well as trophies. Um, but it also, for anyone who loses a game, they get an entry into a lemonade raffle. Uh, yep. and the lemonade raffle can some of the prizes drawn from the lemonade raffle are better than the, the original prize support for the tournaments yeah so definitely there is a way of recognizing games played as much as um as as people winning but i say my, my take on it is that and and garrett and i have talked have talked about this at length because we have our own little uh little sort of tournament company grudge hammer games and our grudge hammer events we're we're moving. We're 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 really seriously considering moving from prize support to really cool trophies. Yeah. Um, because we've all got all the models we're ever going to need to build or paint, and there's no way that I just happen to pick the thing that 
this player wants uh, oh, right, for, right. to complete their collection, you know? Um, or even if I let them, you can slightly address that by having them draw from a table or pick from a table when they win a prize. Um, like Summer Slaughter did with their art. They were giving out full armies last wow. summer. Uh, but that was two prize winners. Um, yeah. Rather than, and they still gave out little decent trophies, actually, to be fair. Um, but I'm, I'm moving more towards like the keepsakes, the mementos, things that you're actually going to have on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you've moved on from one individual model is, is probably a more rewarding prize than um, than a, than a, another box of plastic. So, again, it's a bold decision because I know a lot of players are like, dude, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we used to yeah. get we used to get armies for this, you know, or and, yeah. and say that kind of stuff. But um, I appreciate the perspective. And, I, you know, I think prize support is an interesting thing. You can get really creative with it and make it very meaningful. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all. It doesn't yep. have to be the same thing everywhere. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, being able to find the balance right rewarding the winners while um engaging yeah. those people who didn't win you know i don't this, want to call them losers because they still probably went three and two and stuff like that you know what i mean like yeah. like still this, rewarding this, those I, people is important you're probably right that there's a sweet spot somewhere between the two um and maybe that's that's what we're experimenting in order to find mm-hmm. right now but mm-hmm. um no i do admire the approach that they took there i think it, it's it's a bold decision uh, and it it supports more players because the winners get these amazing, awesome brush finish diecast models with uh, medals with really good detailed plaques on the back, um, and players who did weren't quite so successful get another box of bow snakes. Yeah, you know, um, still pretty cool for all of them. Um, right. So it, it it is it is I think there's there's there is a to your point, there's probably a, a middle ground to be struck, um, but um, I'm I'm I respect kudos to them for doing that. Definitely. So um, shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one of the you you know you talked about being a TO for um, for Games Workshop. Yep. And last year was the first year that they had a lot of their opens, right? They had yep. the Orlando Open, the New Orleans Open. And the Austin, Soca- Austin Open. Yeah. And was there one more Southern California? There was a f- there was a finals in um, uh, that they did at the uh, the Games Workshop Warhammer Cafe in Grapevine in Texas. Okay, all right, got it, got it. So uh, wildly successful. They were like very well attended, mm-hmm. uh, even even in the middle of a pandemic, right? So yep. um, that was really cool to see. I, if I'm not mistaken, our friend uh, Caleb Walters won it all. Um, he did, yeah. The overall um, he, champion. He 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 won the overall contest. Um, so, Games Workshop, um, and for both 40k and AOS, uh, split down winners into uh, a best general and a best overall stream. Mm. Uh, and so they had the opportunity there. And then, at, at the finals in Grapevine, they played um, best overall versus best overall. Uh, and best generals versus best generals. So um, Caleb went through and won the the sort of the best overall stream um, in those awards. Now, be interesting to see quite how it's done this year. We'll know once we get to the first Games Workshop Open, which is coming up at in Seattle in wow weeks few five weeks I think. Oh um, wow, already? Yeah, already. And they're only announced fairly recently, um, but 
um, the series is back. It's expanded. Um, the, uh, the the Warhammer community article was was bigger, better, and headed out west uh, because mm-hmm. the the events this year are going to take place first up in Seattle, uh, May sixth, then San Diego, uh, June 9th, uh, and then a bit of a gap over the summer, and then two events in October. Firstly in Chicago in October sixth, so I'll be back to Chicago, having just come back there from uh, uh, on Monday, uh, and then <laughs> right. um, and then Kansas City um, on October twenty seventh, and looking forward to both of those. And then we've actually announced the finals already, which is going to take place down in uh, Pueblo Santa Ana in New Mexico on November the seventeenth. So two questions. Um, well, one's an observation. Uh, I am kind of surprised that not one event was out on the East Coast, like east of yep. Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, uh, given that, you know, half of the population of the country lives east of the Mississippi, you know, like yes. even in an Ohio or something like that, you yeah. know, like I was a little surprised to see how far out west they were. Um, I, I guess last year they were all pretty much located in the deep south, right? Orlando, yeah. New Orleans, Orlando, Texas. New Orleans. Uh, yeah, and then, so. uh, then then uh, then over in Austin. So yeah. there were two events which are, were kind of east uh, last year, mm-hmm. and then um, the commitment's always been, or the intention's always been, to to move those events to different communities around yeah. the country because yeah. you want to give those players an opportunity to play at an event, particularly if they're not traveling, folks. So um, there are players who travel to every event, right? Um, like. Our um, friend Caleb is one of those people. Caleb's not going to go to every event. He tends not to to travel to too many. Like you never see Caleb at LVO. He will That's go true. to. That's because he goes he to Adepticon. Yeah, uh, so he goes to a bunch of events. But like the, I was thinking of. Uh, you may not have met him yet. You might meet him this week. Are you coming down to play with us at Games Castle this weekend? Uh, not this weekend. I've got Ooh, my son's okay. playing rugby, and I'm coaching. So. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. But this, um, so uh, we're having, uh, so there's a, uh, a gentleman called Tom Guan, who's just recently been added to the uh, the USA Team Worlds team. Um, he travels a lot to play a lot of Warhammer. So I expect to see Tom at pretty much every one of these events, unless there's a clash with Worlds when they're off in Prague. Um, right. So you get players who travel to every event, but at the same time, by moving these events around the country, you give the local players there the opportunity to go play in a commutable distance right at a games workshop run event yep um, yep so i don't anticipate these events being in the same place every year uh, and other cities around the country will get the opportunity to have an event locally in the years coming up assuming that we don't have covid 21 uh, <laughs> yeah hey fingers crossed knock on wood and i'll, I'll do yeah, whatever you need to do right knock on wood, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah i guess you know it's it's interesting because i would have thought that they would do like one out west one in the midwest one in the south one on yep. the east you know what i mean and just kind of spread them out but mm-hmm. you know what like they they probably have the reasons why why they're doing that and um again like you know the the folks out in seattle like having to travel to new orleans last year was a kind of a haul yeah. you know so Indeed. it, it so. certainly was and, <laughs> so and, and just that. think about like think about this as a multi-year series of events you yeah know, yeah there's going to be opportunities uh for the other big communities in the country to have events local to them in forthcoming years not and at the same time like these these are these are cities that have their own scenes they have their own gts right. so 
I don't anticipate we'll go back to these four cities uh, in in the following year. Like they, these cities are all different to the ones that were from last year, and I think yeah, I yeah. see that that pattern repeated. Um, I think ultimately, they, they, I think there's an opportunity to settle uh, around certain areas, particularly if there's something central. Yeah. You know, uh, where people can travel into, whether that's, I mean, as we look at that map now, like Kansas City, that looks like a good place to go and play a tournament, regardless <laughs> of where in the country you're from. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to get to Kansas City. There's a lot of nothing in between nothing to get there, you know? <laughs> I, I must confess, I do have a, I do have a, um, a soft spot for Kansas City. I was there, wow many years ago 11 years ago uh, i went on the british army's uh, sort of staff college exchange to okay. the u.s oh, yeah, army yeah, yeah. uh staff college at fort leavenworth yeah i was gonna spent, say leavenworth is like right there yeah. spent a good couple of weeks in kansas city and had one heck of a time yeah so i would recommend it's a good spot i'm not you know i'm not really crappy <laughs> <laughs> it's a good spot i will say though this is this is my second uh, point that i wanted to make right um I am looking for the the FIFA style bribery that got the finals into New Mexico. Okay, somebody okay. had to pay off GW to get the finals into New Mexico, right? Like this so? is like the this is like the Cutter winning the World Cup. Uh, you know, <laughs> I I the, mean I'm a little tug in cheek facetious right now, but I'll be, um, I'll be honest, you know. like. It's going to be pretty beautiful in New Mexico in November, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think they have 363 days of sunny skies in New Mexico. Like, literally, there's only like two days of a year, two or three days yeah. a year that's cloudy. So um, it'll be it'll be nice. Uh, believe it or not, it'll still be a little chilly out there. Okay. Um, but uh, it'll be it'll I will be take nice. a jacket. Yes, me. exactly. Yeah, you don't need a winter coat, but uh, jacket will right. be fine. Uh, no, I, you know, I'm being a little facetious because, like, uh, you know, I mean, where is it in Santa Fe? Is that where it's at? Uh, Santa Ana. Santa Ana, which is yeah. close to Santa Fe, I'm assuming. Uh, There's not a lot in New Mexico. Let's, you know, it's so. pretty central New Mexico by the looks of the dot. Okay. If they've put, if we've put the dot on the map in the right place in the in the Warcom article. Um, yeah, it's probably somewhere around Santa Fe and, and Albuquerque, which are like not terribly far from each other. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting location for finals. But you know, you got to give some of these small places love too, right? So. Oh yeah, for sure. You know. And I mean, been... it looks it looks astonishing. It really does. Yeah. The Hyatt Regency Tamaya Resort and Spa. Oh, I bet it's real nice. Nestled uh, in the foot of a desert at the foot of a desert mountain range with sunrises over the Rio Grande. It sounds all right. Um... <laughs> yeah, it sounds all right. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be good. Now, because you are helping run these, like I'm assuming all expenses paid for you, sir, right? Uh, yeah. Like GW cover, GW cover our um, like we're professional tournament organizers. Yeah, professional yeah. Professional event judges. So, um, so they 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 cover that. Um, and I'm, yeah, I feel a little bit bad that I don't get the opportunity or can't get the opportunity to play, in, and I might. Depending on how many tickets get sold for the earlier events and whether there is space and whether we have sufficient local volunteers to backfill the core team, whether I could play uh, maybe one of the events uh, rather than just being a TO because I want to keep up my, my, my playing career as well as, as my event judging and tournament organizing. I really yeah. do. Um, 
and I've I've had to be quite forensic or or detailed with my year planning for the events that I'm going to run versus the events I can play at. So I'll play at every at LVO every year. Yeah. GW does send a crew down there. I could work for GW, um, but it would be more sort of general duties stuff that kind of thing that I did at Adepticon. Right. Um, so I'm always going to play at LVO. I'm always going to be TO at Nova. Well, at least for now, yeah. <laughs> until they yeah. don't want me to anymore. Um, and then I then find GTs and major events that I can go to. And th th there are only so many weekends in the year. So give you an example. Um, the San Diego event um, for GW clashes with Atlantic City Open. I mean, they couldn't be better located for events to clash. One in San Diego, one in Atlantic City. Right, um, right. So both events will be roaring successes. But I would love to have played in Atlantic City, but I'm not. I'm going to go in TO at San Diego. I gotcha. Um, another great lo local, another great event on the East Coast. Not even really on the East Coast, because in Rochester, New York, it's kind of on the Yeah, lakes. that's definitely Northeast, yeah. Yeah, um, is the same time as the finals uh, uh, okay. for, for GW. So I won't for the first time in three in the first for the time in the last three times that it's been run i won't go to the boys um because which is uh really i mean it's it's funny because it's in rochester but it is a very well attended event oh yeah it's uh it's i mean it's slightly bigger on the aos side than it is on the 40k side now at least in maybe maybe not in total player head uh, player head count but in terms of, of reputation yeah you get the best players from the east coast and most of the u.s and also a lot of the Canadians coming down as well to play at Du Bois. Um, yep. And Canadians actually won Du Bois this year. Um, interestingly enough, because Caleb and I were the uh, best overall and best general at Du Bois that previous time it was run. Um, and so the, the Canadians are all over that event as well. Um, so it's 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 going to be a shame uh, that there are clashes, but they're really not... The growth of tournaments means that there is something somewhere around the country at, at, at a large scale pretty much every week. Which is wild. Yeah. That's yeah. so wild. I'd and... say Q1 of the year, it's quieter. Yeah. Like yeah. you want to run an you want to run an event, you in, you do it in Q1, deconflict it with LVO and, and Adepticon, yeah. you'll be in a good spot. I, I'm assuming the reason why there aren't as many events in in Q1 is because everybody just got a brand new army for Christmas and they're still painting, right? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> I, I, some some regions play more events at the start of the year. Canadians seem to do a lot. If you look, Canadians are top of the ITC at the moment because uh -huh. they've had a bunch of GTs already. Uh, the Pacific Northwest has always front-loaded their events. But in general terms, certainly in my personal experience, my largely East Coast with a little bit of Midwest and Texas experience, uh, they seem to be stuff later in the year. Mm. Um, and I think it's also in part due to so many uh, tournaments following the ITC sort of seasons um and lvo right. being the, the big season ender the finale of the itc um they you then almost have a bit of a you have a month off a bit of breathing space yeah yeah for sure for sure very good well uh let's let's end it on this uh i know this is not a gw um official tournament but you have a major hand in the nova open that's coming up in end of august beginning of september I do, yeah. So um, I'm the sort of head of the AOS game system of games for Nova. Um, Nova's changed a lot. Um, it, well, in that it's it, the original founding family of Nova have stepped away. Um, 
because Mike Brandt has gone to Games Workshop and therefore sort of had to step back from Nova as not to have a conflict of interest there. Right. So there is a there is a new team of uh, local owners for Nova, um, and they are very much carrying on the same type of convention. So can I can I con- ask you who's on the team? What in terms of the owners? Yeah. Uh, not me. I can tell you that. I, I really, I really can't say to sort of <laughs> say that it's that everybody. But they have a, they have a. It's much more of a, a sort of a, a, a company in the sense that it has a board of directors okay. uh, and various sort of C-suite level positions now. Um, who they're running the same type of convention in that the goal of the convention is to raise as much money as possible for local charities and to bring the community together and provide an exceptional resource an exceptional experience for gamers in order that a lot of money is raised for uh, deserving charitable causes yeah um, so they're keeping that ethos 100 percent alive um, whilst expanding uh, the nova open so uh, back after two years of of being out due to COVID, um, we've expanded the the venues. Um, so still based around the same hotel, the Hyatt Regency in Crystal City. Yep. But also the the hotel immediately across the street from the entrance to Hyatt Regency, the Renaissance, is also part of the convention now. And all of the AOS system of games are moving across the street. Oh wow. Into the Renaissance. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and what that's done is it's opened up the the total the total space available for Age of Sigmar yeah. and all the ancillary events uh, and basically given us more space, more time, um, so that we can run uh, a bigger set of Age of Sigmar events. So again, we'll be starting on the Thursday. We'll be running the the events that you'll be familiar with, the, the doubles, the RTT, the GT. Um, but the space and time available is, has meant that, that I've been able to add a few things. Um, first and foremost, an invitational tournament. Um, right. 40K has always had an invitational at Nova, and it's always been the biggest or the most prestigious invitational that's been running. Um, AOS is going to have a 16-player invitational, four rounds over one day, um, sort of single elimination for 16 very well-known AOS players mm-hmm. um, that's going to be run on the Thursday. And... Uh, Roger Barker, um, uh, quite a famous AOS player. Um, I like Roger quite a, a lot. well-known. Yeah, and an, a, a true gentleman uh, is going to be running that uh, that invitational event. Um, and it's quite cool. He's largely kept his plans to himself. Uh, so I will be as, as surprised as everyone when that format comes out <laughs> in a little bit more detail this weekend. Um, so Roger's going to run uh, an invitational event. I'm going to expand the, uh, the, the GT at Nova to be a an eight round event from a five round event. Oh, very so cool. we'll do five rounds, 200 players, and then we'll cut to a top eight after the fifth round, then play a three round single elimination sort of top eight tournament. So we'll do a first round on, on Saturday. So that, so Thursday, we're going to have the doubles yep. and have the invitational and possibly an RTT. At the moment, we're saying RTT on the Thursday, the change of venue means we may also be able to do that on the Sunday instead. Okay. But We'll have those events on the Thursday. Then Friday, Saturday, we'll have the main part of the the GT. Um, But also over that time, we'll be running Warcry events, Underworlds events, um, all of the Age of Sigmar system of games, all Mm -hmm. those Age of Sigmar IP type events 
we'll be running. Um, we'll run a five round GT, we'll cut to top eight, we'll run a sixth round on Saturday evening to leave a sort of a final four and then a, uh, a final uh, on the Sunday. But then because we've moved from the old uh, Regency Ballroom where we needed to give that space up on Sunday afternoon so that we could run the um, the awards ceremony. Yep. Do you remember yep. The, yep. the the hall? We used to have to clear that hall so yeah. that they could do the awards. And it was like, there. oh, I'm not quite done with my game, but thanks for taking my chair. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so thankfully, that's gone. Like we've got this this hotel for the weekend. So uh, one of the the organisers was like, Hey James, why why do you have so much on a Thursday and not much on a Sunday? I was like, Well, you always used to take the hall off us. And he was like, yeah, but you're in a different hotel now. We're not taking a haul off you anymore. So I was like, oh, okay. So I'm yeah. going to sit down with them to look at what we can potentially run on a Sunday instead. And, and that will all get ironed out prior to tickets going live on Saturday. Um, and then uh, we've also got, I said, Warcry. Um, we've got Underworlds. Uh, we've got, oh, uh, Age of Sigmar Soulbound, the RPG. Oh, yeah, We're going nice. to run some of that as well. Um and we'll be over in a hotel uh, in, across the street, the Renaissance. And uh, so it's going to open up twice the number of hotel rooms <laughs> that there was before, because there's a bunch of hotel rooms there available as well. Yep. Reduce some of the burden on those elevators going up and down. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes uh, that was uh, a real pain. It was. Um, but we'll have our own bar, our own food. We'll have everything that we need to run a successful convention um, while still having a very Nova open feel and being part of the Nova Open itself, we're not, we're not, we're not, because we're not repl replicating seminar rooms. We're not replicating yeah. uh, Nova Open Foundation, the Foundation Lounge. You know, the big upstairs party cocktail bar thing. Right, uh, right. We won't have one of those. But I've walked the distance between the hall um, and the 40k hall. It's still only five minutes, and it used to take two minutes before. You know, right, um, right. So it's. It's still going to be the Nova Open as that we know and love, but it's also just going to have a bit more space and a bit more opportunity to to grow. Um, One of the things I really liked about LVO was the amount of space that we had. Right, it didn't feel like a cramped area um, no. where everybody was just stacked on top of each other, and you know where you're like, oh, like I can barely put my models here because I've got you know, I, I'm we're like mat to mat to mat to mat to mat, you yep. know, type of type of thing mm -hmm. and you stand up and you bump into the guy that's behind you playing on the other table right so um lvo like had a nice lot of nice space there to be able to mm. do that and it sounds like we'll have um similar space because we'll be you know age of sigmar will be the the king in the renaissance hotel yeah that's the that's the idea um that it was it was, I think it's, I, I, it was a decision that I, that I, I, I helped sort of try and drive awesome. to move, move us across because there's tons of other things that can go into those rooms that we used on the far side on the, in the original hotel. Yeah. Like the, the kill team live games workshop, uh, like laser tag event, which is amazing. Uh, will can now run across in, in the, in the, the Hyatt Regency. So it just gives more opportunity, more space, more room for growth, more, right. um, more more scope to expand the convention and make it even better than it was than it has been before i'm i'm so looking forward to it it's, it's going to be great i'm really looking forward to it too i'm glad it's back i was really bummed in the last two years right that like maybe it'll happen this year and it just it didn't and you know that's okay we all understand why mm. um but you know the fact is is that with it being back like 
I'm I'm really excited for it. It's always one of those that I I really look forward to. I absolutely take time off of work to go, yeah, to go do that. And it's you know, it's over the Labor Day weekend. So the nice mm -hmm. the nice thing is that you have Monday to recover from yep. the, the tournament. And you I remember def you definitely need it. <laughs> I remember um, what was it? It was 2019 that we played, and I ended up playing. Uh, it was like 11 games of Warhammer in three days. Yeah. And like on Monday, just being like, Strong. okay, please, please just like, I can't touch another model for a little while. Like I was just mm -hmm. so done, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, fortunately, I didn't burn out any flame that I had for Age of Sigmar. It was still there, right? Yeah. It just was, uh, it was a long weekend and I needed that Monday for sure. Yeah, so, definitely. But it's, um, a it's, great it's, weekend. it's a real... I'm delighted that it's that it's back and that it's it's managed to survive the pandemic. Um, we, we, and we're going to have an exceptional time. I can't wait. Well, and I'm glad you know, like I didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't know the previous owners very well. I just just by okay. name only, you know. And mm -hmm. so I'm glad that um, folks like you that I do know are involved because I got a lot of faith in what you guys are doing. You know, and so I, I've seen you no, guys run. That. I've Thank seen you. you run tournaments before. I've been in your tournaments, mm -hmm. and they're always a, a pleasure to be in and, and and play in. So I got a lot of faith for what's coming up for sure. Yeah, and and the the great thing is that we still have the, this partnership of the convention with Games Workshop and all the other game manufacturing companies that Nova Open hosts. Everyone wants to be involved. Yeah. So you still get that those convention exclusives those things that only the games manufacturers can bring but at the same time it's an independently run convention that is there to boost the community and to raise money for exceptionally deserving causes so it's fantastic absolutely absolutely well james i'm excited for all of these events that you're in i'm kind of jealous that you get to go and and you know get feed off of that energy firsthand because yeah. uh, you know all those tournaments man they're they're exciting there's a there's a fun there's a fun energy at, at these things and uh you know there you is. get you get experience it you get to you know set these players up for success Mm -hmm. um you know as, as you go about it and uh i can't think of a better person at the helm so uh, i you know. appreciate that thank you yeah it's great to yeah hear. yeah you, you do a great job so um uh hopefully we can have you back on the podcast like near the end of the Love year to. and kind of report yeah. on how everything went mm -hmm. and maybe some lessons learned you know yeah no that so. would be that would be really useful um and I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to do so um and hopefully i'll get time to talk about like playing in tournaments as well as just just toing them <laughs> yeah true um i do know what we're going to do actually you are definitely coming back on the podcast because i want to do a list review of the nova open um cool you know yeah. it kind of like mm -hmm. uh what uh sometimes like the honest war gamer does or some of these other guys Se yeah season of war yeah um yep. they're most they're, they're doing great list reviews now season of war who are going to be my aos streamers for uh nova open oh okay well are yeah. are, are they going to do a list review of the nova open they will do a list review of the Nova Open, but um, okay. we should do a competing list review of the Nova Open as well. Okay, um, we we definitely can. We'll get a couple of uh, yeah. a couple of our experienced. We should players get a couple on. of a couple a couple of ringers in to uh, to 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 see what they suggest are going to be the top list, and we compare that we can compare them to how Season of War, uh, Jordan and Ridge and Carl and those guys get on with uh, with their uh, with their list predictions. Ooh, this sounds like fun. 
This sounds like yeah, it's going it to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And uh, I, I uh, am going to say that we are looking into upgrading some of our podcasting software so okay. that we'll be able to do video and like throw those lit, you know, throw those up on a screen and mm -hmm. uh, talk through it together. And so we could stream it onto YouTube and Twitch and all that stuff too. That would be fantastic. So, that, yeah. that, that would be amazing. Um, particularly, yeah, cool. No, so that sounds like a great idea. people can check out the list and look at it mm -hmm. while, we're, while we're yammering on. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, this sounds like a lot of fun. So we're definitely going to get set up for that. And uh, obviously we'll be in touch to plan it out as we get closer. So cool. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, thank you. Always yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for, for our listeners again out there, you know, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, if you've been listening to this, give us a like, a thumbs up. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. That always helps sometimes. So uh, otherwise, uh, just smash the like button, share it with your friends, do what you can, and, and throw us some topics. If you're interested in hearing about uh, different things of, about Warhammer or what you're interested in, let us know. And uh, we've got connections that we can find people to talk about it. That's for sure. So uh, thank you again, James, and uh, everybody thank else. You, sir. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye.